0: We all come in with all of these misconceptions about what is right or what is wrong, or this is the only way to do things. And if you go out there and you help them rewrite or change the stories that they're saying, and you point out certain things that they may be viewing perhaps wrongly, or they could have a different perspective, if you shift those perspectives, that is where you're really going to make an impact. And people are going to view you as an authority, and people are going to view you as someone that they want to buy from and do business with.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason R. Campbell, and I so love the journey of discovering the next speaker on the show today because I was on Amazon looking for great ideas, looking for great books, and this book stood out amongst all others called Selling the Intangible, Turning Your Knowledge into Income, Generate Predictable Profits, Build a Wildly Successful Digital Product Business. I'm like, That seems very relevant to me and for most of my listeners to this podcast. So I started doing some research and I discovered that the author of this book is Mira Cothand and she's actually the creator of Create Planners. She has a business, MiraCawthand.com, and she's been listed as one of the top 100 sites for solopreneurs three years in a row since 2017. She's an author of multiple books, all helping small businesses that have knowledge they want to share with the masses as coaches consultants and small business owners i'm like we need to share this knowledge on the podcast and i'm so excited that she's here she has taught over hundred thousand students and readers she's given them confidence on building super fans selling out their digital products without that sleaze cringe so they build a community that's obsessed with what they're offering this is right aligned with selling with love and i'm so excited that she's here mira welcome
0: Thank you so much, Jason. (laughs) There was some introduction and yeah, thank you for that. I'm really glad you reached out and that you're having this conversation.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like you have a background in at least copywriting. Like it sounds like your writing is amazing from the way you've just captured attention. You have several books called like The One Hour Content Plant, Your First 100, and The Blog Startup. So tell us about your journey. Like have you studied writing? Is this where you started? Like how did this journey begin?
0: Oh gosh, no. I'm not a copywriter. I think we all do copy in our work. That's something that we have to acknowledge whether we like it or not, but no, I'm not trained or anything of that sort. I really came into this by accident. I was doing marketing back in my corporate job and I took a little bit of a break when I went to have my daughter and I had a bit of a health scare that I had to get sorted out. So I was going through treatments and stuff like that. And I couldn't go back to work. So I was at home wondering, and I had a choice, you know, do something or do nothing. And I actually started a marketing blog, just really writing about things that I felt people were not really addressing, where I felt there were gaps in content out there. I kind of organically started growing an audience and people were reaching out to me and asking me whether I was taking clients. And I think that's pretty much how my journey began. So I'm the last person who should have become an entrepreneur because for me in the way that my family background and all of that, the road to success so-called was paved with like good grades, college degree, a solid corporate job, nothing of the sort. But I mean, one thing is in what you've shared, your observation is right. Writing is something that I've always leaned into since very young. And yeah, so writing books on Amazon, self-publishing was just a natural next step for me.
1: Well, this is amazing. And I think it actually opens up for a lot of my listeners who might think this could be out of reach and thinking about how you've accidentally started and looking at where you are now. First off, I'm going to tell everybody here, you're going to want to go to the website that I'm going to put in the show notes here, Miracothin.com, because you will land on our website and it speaks to you. It speaks to your problems. It speaks to the gaps that you probably face as you're trying to build your business. Maybe you're making your first sales. Maybe you're trying to write your first book, but it speaks so beautifully. And I just have such an appreciation for beautiful direct response, beautiful marketing, beautiful sales, which brings me to the core of what we're talking about here. So in the book, selling the intangible, you're really helping people that might have an idea and they want to turn it into a business, an online business. But you spoke about those gaps, right? What have you noticed that got you motivated to put together this knowledge, the gaps that you were seeing that probably frustrated you when you started?
0: I think there are so many, but maybe one of the biggest thing that I'll talk about as it relates to the book, Selling the Intangible, is that we are very focused on formats. And then what I mean by formats is we are very quick to jump into, I want to create a membership, I want to create a course, I want to create something, but we are not really talking about the outcome or the transformation that we want our reader to walk away with or our audience to walk away with. So when we are so focused in this format and you know, basically workshops and memberships, that's what they are. And we're not really talking about and thinking about what the audience is gonna take away from it. It's kind of like tunnel vision in a sense. So something that could be easily done in a workshop ends up taking up all of your time and resources and you're gonna sit down six months creating a course with all these fancy videos and worksheets. It doesn't really have to be that way. And I think this is one of those things that holds people back they get deflated and discouraged and all of that stuff. So one of the biggest gaps that I saw was why are people encouraging startups or, you know, solopreneurs or small businesses who are just completely new and just starting out and just starting to build the audience. Why are they encouraging them to create huge, really big programs or put together this massive membership site? For me, I just didn't get that. And really that rallying cry kind of led to the book one of those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I often see there's so much information out there. And when you're just getting started, it's almost like I have to do everything. It has to be done perfect. And I'm always trying to see like from one person's perspective, they're telling me to do this, someone else is trying to do that. And it kind of feels overwhelming and you kind of feel paralyzed. So in your case, you're talking about outcomes. What are some of the first steps then we should be doing that takes away all of that complexity and focuses on the core of what value we want to deliver?
0: Yeah, so you know, going back to the basics, I would always say validate. When we talk about validation, this is where people get a little bit freaked out or a little bit apprehensive because they say that, okay, I don't have an audience to survey, so then what am I going to do? Where am I going to go and get feedback? And there is actually a wealth of knowledge that's out there. If you're willing to spend the time, if you're willing to lurk around a little bit, like for me, I'm a huge lurker in Facebook groups. There is a wealth of conversation that goes on and there's so much gold that you can take away from. And I have spent sometimes like an hour, two hours, just kind of highlighting and taking down the words that people are saying, because these are the words of your target audience and you want to use that back in any place that you're out there, whether it's your site or your sales page or your landing page. So look at what people are asking for. And Facebook groups, Reddit communities, these are like the first few things that you wanna look out for. I would also suggest looking at Udemy, for instance, because people are there buying programs. So see if there is some kind of exchange in terms of, okay, are people willing to pay for this? Is there some kind of demand? So even if you don't have an audience to survey, this is like your very basic step that you can do to try and validate your idea. Even if it's a content idea, even if it's an idea for a program, or even if it's a business idea, see if there's some kind of exchange going on out there where people are willing to pay someone for money. You know, it doesn't have to be in the business model that you are trying to put together. It could be, for instance, if you're a coach, it doesn't only have to be coaching services. It could be in a different business model. Just make sure there is that demand that's out there. So the very first step would be validation. If you're looking at it from a larger sense in terms of starting up a business, then one of those first few things that you want to do, yes, validate it. But also think about your home base, which is your email list. Like I'm a huge, huge fan of building an email list. So do that from day one. Don't think that you're going to wait till later and then have that. So have an email list, put up your nurture systems. So create content and have like a very simple welcome email series that's going out there for anyone that's joining. So you don't need to have a full-fledged site. I'm a huge fan of minimum viable. So you just need a simple page with how you help, who you help, and then a very simple opt-in. And then decide how it is that you want to connect with this audience. So have one main content channel, one main traffic platform. And that's about it. That's about all that I typically suggest to get started out. Once you start getting that interaction with your audience, then you can think about, okay, how exactly do I want to kind of share my knowledge? Am I going to offer coaching or am I going to maybe package digital products? And there's no right or wrong answer. It really depends on your zone of genius. So I started out doing client work and It was hard for me because at that point in time, with the time difference, most of the people I serve are in the States, in North America, and I'm a good 12, 13 hours ahead of them. My daughter was very young at that point in time. So I did some coaching and I struggled to deal with the time difference. So I quickly kind of pivoted into digital products, putting together books and courses. And it just kind of went from there. But what I would say is don't be swayed into any type of business model, figure out what really makes you happy and where you feel you can deliver that transformation to your audience in the best way possible. You know, there are so many people that I've worked with who could have easily just done packaged courses and programs and stuff like that, but they willingly want to work with people one-on-one because that's where they show up their best. So basically do you and see what fits you best.
1: For everybody listening, you'll probably be able to go back a few minutes and re-listen to exactly what you heard because that was the blueprint. That was literally a blueprint of what are the priorities you can focus on to get yourself started. And Mira, I did want to have you expand on one element that I've heard before, and I think it needs to be emphasized. I know for me, it's something that I've personally neglected, and I sometimes kick myself because I know better. And i feel like you going to emphasize it is going to kick my butt a little stronger let's talk about how important the email list is and why that is
0: oh gosh yes you know coming back to your question on gaps this is one of those things where i really started talking about email content people were basically asking what type of emails do you send to your list should you even sell in your nurture sequence your nurture series should you have a welcome email series if you have no product like these are the things that i answered and maybe i'll talk a little bit about them an email list is extremely important and a lot of people have this misconception that it's something that they can get to later on after they have been in business for a year or something of that sort Or even if they start an email list and they start getting people on their list, they have this conception that, you know, let me get to a thousand people before I send emails. But here's the thing. The people on your list don't know that they are one in thousand or one in hundred or anything of that sort. They signed up because they want to hear from you. This is the main thing. Something on your site or on your landing page or wherever they may have heard you spoke to them and they want to know more and they have a pain point that they kind of resonate with whatever you're speaking on and that's the reason they signed up so one of the things that i always suggest people do is have a nurture sequence like a very very simple minimum viable i would say three to five emails and you don't have to have anything for sale in that sequence even if you have no product or anything of that sort it's perfectly fine but you still want to kind of roll out the red carpet the moment someone joins in this because when you do that immediately the first and this is really based on research the first 48 hours is when people are the most engaged with your brand they are aware of your brand name you know it's really up there in their minds so when you are popping up in their inbox in this 48 hours and they see your name again and again this is where it's going to kind of register so you want to do that you don't want to show up a month later and then say hey remember me you signed up you don't want to do that you know you want to be in their inbox in that first 36 to 48 hours which is why i do my email series in the way that i do i always do the first three emails back to back and after that i kind of space it out And one of those questions people ask is, okay, then what do I put in the sequence? What do I say? You know, for me, it's not about tips or it's not about how to, because if you think about it more and more, everyone is talking about how to, everyone is giving tips. So how are you gonna stand out in the inbox? And this is where it pays you to be a little bit critical about your niche or your industry. What is it that you see that you don't really like? Or what is it you feel people are not really talking about? You know, the things that make you go, hmm, or, you know, that's not right. Like These are the hunches that you want to lead into. And these are the things that you want to share with your email list. Because those are the types of content. That's the type of email that really connects. And when people respond back and say, you know, Jason, I had no idea that didn't come to my mind at all. Thank you for bringing this up. When you get a response like that, those are the people that are highly likely to go on and buy from you. So for me, I feel that if you really want to be selling your knowledge in a sense, then you have to be willing to change the stories that your potential clients are telling about themselves. Because we all come in with all of these misconceptions about what is right or what is wrong, or this is the only way to do things, you know, things that we see in the space. And if you go out there and you help them rewrite or change the stories that they're saying, and you point out certain things that they may be viewing perhaps wrongly, or they could have a different perspective. If you shift those perspectives, that is where you're really gonna make an impact. And people are gonna view you as an authority and people are gonna view you as someone that they wanna buy from and do business with.
1: I'm like speechless. (laughs) How amazingly prescriptive is what you share And I've definitely taken some mental notes because I know for me, the follow-up sequence is non-existent, to be honest. I've kind of said it, I forgot it. And then I send an email once in a while and it's usually around a campaign. And I think that does a major disservice to the people that I have within my ecosystem that want to hear from me is not honoring that permission that I've received. And I hope for everybody listening as well, you realize that this is something that can be set up quite easily. I mean, Mira at a minimum is just like, Hey, want to hear more from me? Send me the email. Like that could be as simple as that to start. And everything from there is innovation. Everything from there is improvement, but at least you get started. And at least with what you just heard from Mira is you should have a few of those first messages that do go out so that people can understand that you're here to share with them value and. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mira, but if we've done the first steps that you said earlier, which is around the validation and the research, then we would have awareness of what's going on in the marketplace, the gaps that exist. And I'd say that the majority of the people probably skip that research phase. And I'd love to speak about the pains that come up in other places in the business if you haven't done that work up front.
0: Yes. I think people know it's important, but it's just boring work. You know, it's not sexy in any way. It's Kind of like how I feel about email. It's completely, compared to social media, it's like the inferior cousin in a sense. You know, no one really wants to talk about it. You know, it's important, you know, it's there, it exists, but you just kind of relegate it to the side. So I think that research is one of those things. And where you will start to face issues is, my gosh, right from the very beginning, I think when you are putting together like a landing page to try and get subscribers in, you will not know the language that they're using you perhaps being two steps ahead of your audience, the language you use to describe your pain points is going to be very different from the way they describe their pain points or that they are pressing problems. So this is one of those first areas where you're going to get a little bit of friction. Whatever you write, the copy that you're writing on your site or your landing page, it's just not going to speak with them. People are not going to sign up and you will not know why. And I've had people come to me and say, you know, Mira, I'm giving them what they want. This is what they said they want in the Facebook group, but no one is signing up. And when you go and dig into that copy, you're going to dig into that page and you realize that it's telling a completely different story. You know, it's not the same thing. So when you talk to your audience, one of those things that I always say is talk about insight pain points. So pain points that are very visible to them. They look at it, they know they could resonate with that. You want to be talking about the symptoms rather than the underlying issues that they may not realize they even have. So get them onto your email list first, and then you can kind of nurture and talk about the deeper pain points. But if you talk about it from the very beginning, you're going to kind of lose them. So these are one of those early friction issues that come up. So not understanding the copy, even not really understanding what lead magnet to put out there. So... If you're thinking of creating a lead magnet to attract subscribers, you may not really know what to create in the first place. And some people just sit on it because they've got too many ideas and they don't really know which one to use.
1: I would actually ask you to define what a lead magnet is for people that might not know what that term means.
0: Sure. So a lead magnet is any free resource that you offer to your audience in exchange for an email address. So this could be a free email course, it could be an audio file, it could be a video series, workshop, a webinar, free webinar, anything of that sort. So these are lead magnets and they're a very good way to attract an audience. And the main thing is your relationship should not stop there. The moment you get that email address from them, this is where you wanna send out that very simple nurture sequence on automation that we just spoke about. So another area of friction is not knowing the lead magnets. These are like earlier problems that come up. I think if you still kind of manage to get your way down and you push the ball, you know, like up the hill, then you're going to see issues when it comes to knowing how to sell. Your sales emails are not going to speak. Your sales pages are not going to speak. So it really boils down to that initial research that you just completely fail to do.
1: I was also going to say that, you know, we spoke about various elements here, like capturing emails. We talked about, you know, having a lead magnet. There's a perceived barrier, maybe a very real barrier when it comes to understanding what technology needs to be put in place and made available for me to have this minimum viable ecosystem. Could you talk more about what are some of the things we could do if we're feeling intimidated by the technology here?
0: Oh, yes. I'm a huge tech dino in a sense. My husband calls me a tech dino. So I'm really not tech savvy. I really use tools that are kind of easy to navigate. So really basic tools that you need. And I would say like probably the only one that you need is your email service provider. So these are your convert kits, your or your active campaign or your mailchimp. You know there are so many in the market these days. It really depends on what features that email service provider has because some email service providers they have lots of things. They've got landing pages, they've got opt-in forms. So once you have that, that's about all that you need because you can use those opt-in forms on your site. You can use that landing page, and that's how I started out. That was the only thing I had when I started out. And as my business grew, then yes, I added more things. But when you're new, that is pretty much all that you need. You just need an email service provider because you can use the landing page from there to start building an audience. Yes.
1: Mira, I feel like we just drank from a fire hydrant. You shared with us so much amazing insights. And I know this is just the tip of the iceberg of all the wonderful knowledge that you share. And so I wanted to ask you one more question that I love asking my guests on the show. You are on the Selling with Love podcast, so I have to ask you, what does selling with love mean to you?
0: Wow. Selling with love to me is, I think going back to what I shared just now, is all about helping your potential client changing the stories that they tell themselves so that they see you as someone that they want to do business with. Because when you do it that way, then selling doesn't have to be sleazy at all.
1: Mira, thank you so much for your time, your knowledge, the structure of your knowledge to get people to actually see that maybe getting started isn't as intimidating as it needs to be. For those of you who paid attention, we talked about some of the initial things you can work on. We emphasized On email, how that's a powerful place you need to make sure is in place because you can start having conversations with the people. You can start communicating with them directly. We've seen how algorithms on different social media platforms can completely shift your business and email is the place where you actually own their contact. Getting started doesn't need to be too intimidating. You need to actually see what are you actually trying to solve, the structure of what you offer, whether it's a membership, that's just the noise. What you really wanna find out is what is the outcome you wanna provide for the people. Mira made sure that you know places you can do research if you don't have existing customers, including the Udemy's, going on Reddit, going on any of those Facebook groups where you see the types of people that you typically serve and start being a lurker on those conversations to see the language being used. And all of that initial research is what's going to make the rest of the business flow even easier. I love this tip that you talked about. When it is email, people come in and get this lead magnet, can actually sign up. To receive something from you for free and then be on your email list have at least two or three emails going out right from the beginning that speaks about something that is known in your industry and you give it a unique take for me that's one of the biggest takeaways i can apply right now and for those who are intimidated with the technology know that you can get started with something like mailchimp which i know is one of the simplest ones to use some others were suggested as well but i would suggest for everyone to pick up a copy of Selling the Intangible, turn your knowledge into income, generate predictable profits, and build a widely successful digital product business, book by Mira, which is among many of her books that she's done that solve all specific pains that we have when we are solopreneurs getting started small business owners. And of course, I'd love to see Mira, do you have a lead magnet of your own that you would like to suggest people that are listening to this podcast could go and have a taste of what it's like to be part of your email ecosystem?
0: Sure. So if email is on your radar, then I would suggest hitting the link amira.email slash course. That's the short link. And it's a free email course all about how to use email to nurture and yeah, build a better relationship with your audience. So that is something that I always suggest people check out first.
1: Fantastic. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Mira, thank you for your time. And all you listeners, keep selling the intangible and of course, keep selling with love.